0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Amen. I'm thankful he didn't just touch us one time, but for the continued touch of the hand of the Lord. Amen. While you're standing, let's pray over the word of God and ask his word to touch our heart. He knows exactly where you are. He knows where I am. He knows the seasons of time. But he knows the seasons of our lives as well. And so I just feel the Lord has I feel the Lord has touched us tonight. He's met us here, and I feel like there is a word. Amen. I believe the Lord has a word for us tonight. Praise God. I love you today. Thank you, Jesus. And I praise you, Almighty God, for the privilege that you've given us to be in your presence. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for meeting us here tonight, God. Your word is true, forever settled, oh God. You have met us here in the midst of our praise and worship, God. You have shown yourself with might and with strength and we have already been refreshed. We have already been touched and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated what a tremendous privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord and this wonderful crowd here on this Wednesday evening. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. In Old Testament times, oriental servants were directed almost entirely by signs. Their duty or their responsibility lie in their ability to be observant and obedient because they had to watch the hands of their master. I believe that this so accurately describes the true posture or what should be perhaps the true posture of every Bible believer. I believe that we should be utterly surrendered and that we should be fully watching and that we should be wholly open and willing and working with the spirit and the presence of the almighty God. I'm thankful for moments like now where we are all awake. It is a convenient hour in our lives. It's a convenient moment in our day, in our calendar, in our schedule. And so because of those extenuating circumstances, it's easy to be responsive to the spirit and the promptings of the Lord. Amen. I don't think anybody here was raising your hands or lifting your voice Uh, against your will just moments ago, but it was flowing from our heart. But I need to be that watchful and that mindful and that surrendered and that obedient at two o'clock in the morning. I need to be that surrendered and obedient when it's in the afternoon, but it's not such a conducive atmosphere of worship or response. But I wanna be willing to watch the hands of the master Tonight I wanna preach from that thought, watch God's hand, watch God's hand. From Psalms 34 and 15, we know this wonderful assuring truth that the Psalmist David said, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. And what a great consolation that we find in that passage of scripture that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Can you say, that's me. me. The eyes of the Lord are upon me. I think anytime you have the opportunity when you're reading and studying the word of God that we need to personalize it. And not just make that for the man next door or the lady down the road or somebody across the aisle or somebody in another church, but the eyes of the Lord are upon me and his ears are open to my cry. This is a personal thing. I did accept him a long time ago as my personal savior. Amen, he is not your God exclusively. He does not belong to the church exclusively, but. I brought him with me tonight. I'm gonna take him home in my heart with me when I leave this building. His eyes are upon me and his ears are open to my cry. With this promise, we know where the eyes of the Lord are. However, what we have to keep in mind is not just where the eyes of the Lord are, or may be, but I've gotta keep a mind and be mindful and be sensitive to where my eyes are. I know the Lord is watching me, but am I watching him? I know that his ear is attentive to me, but is my ear attentive to him? I feel sure no other generation has had a greater bid for their attention than the generation in which we live. It's hard to imagine this, but the evening news in 1944 consisted of just a 15-minute news segment that was only broadcast on Thursday and Friday evenings. So if you're going to get your news, it'll be next Thursday and you're going to have a 15 minute window, but the good news is if you miss and you're busy Thursday, it'll come around again tomorrow for 15 minutes, you're going to have another shot at that. Well, we're a long way from 44 years ago or 1940 rather. And we are a long way from 30 minutes of combined news for a week. There are countless news stations that broadcast 24-7 with a vast majority of them not reporting the news, but the majority of them are creating the news. And so we are foolish to sit down and listen, read, watch, or anything and assume that we're getting the true pipeline of what's going on in our world. Amen, that's the blunt, that's blunt, but that's the truth. Amen, every conceivable advice is uh, is in, in our hands and so the, the the today's source is not limited to what it might have been a few decades ago when uh, homes in America and around the world had a wooden console television sitting in your living room and if you were going to get any news, you're going to have to plan it. Park it. But that's not the world we live in. We live in 24 seven news that is accept, that is accessible on every device that we use today. Whether that is computers or tablets or phones or even our watches. And so with that kind of force bidding for our attention, it's easier now than ever before to have our eyes and our ears on the wrong source. Amen, I'm not saying that we should be ignorant and oblivious to the things that are going on around us in our world, I'm not suggesting that at all but I'm just gonna tell you like never before, we need to watch the hand of God. I need to know what God is doing in this hour. I know he's watching me, but I have a responsibility to watch him. This is all the more reason why we need to pay careful attention to the word of God. In Psalms 123 and verse number two, the scripture says, behold, as the eyes of the servants look into the hand of their masters, And as the eyes of the maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Behold, the eyes of the servant are gonna look at the hand of their master and the eyes of the maiden is gonna look at the hand of her mistress. We're gonna have to keep our eyes on the hand of God. God's hand is important. When you read about the references in scripture to the hand of God, uh, the hand of God gives us many things of those, the hand of God gives us direction. Perhaps most all of us, if not all of us, have found ourselves in a situation where we were dependent upon somebody else to guide us, somebody else to give us some direction. I'm not talking about directions, go down to this corner and turn right, but I'm talking about somebody in our close proximity that we've been depended upon. Maybe you've been trying to park a car and you can't see the obstacles around you. And so you got to forget everything else in your world because somebody is standing in front of you and they're motioning for you. If you go through some of these car washes, you know, you got to depend on, I, I'm, I'm not ever sure. I don't want to scrub my tires. I don't want to bend up my rim. I don't want anything to go wrong. And I always have that little moment about hyperventilating because I got to trust. See, he don't love my wheels on my truck like I love my wheels on my truck. It's just another day, another hour, it's, it, it, it's it just another job, I'm just another guy rolling through. And so, I, but, th- but there comes that moment in time because I can't see the obstacle, I've gotta trust him. We've all been in those situations and, and we're gonna have to trust whoever's standing there and we can't see what's around us so we're gonna have to be dependent upon somebody else. And it is so easy in moments like that to get your eyes off of the most important person in that equation. Am I speaking to anybody now? It is so easy in that moment to get your eyes off the person that is the most important thing in that situation because every one of us have a bent inside of us that we want to look for ourselves, see for ourselves. I want to just check one more time. Amen. But we have got to remain disciplined and say I've got to trust that somebody that can see what I can't see has the ability to guide me to where I need to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah years years ago, I remember Brother Wayne Townsend sharing a story with me. Uh, those of you who do not know, Brother Wayne Townsend is a long distance truck driver and has spent his adult life as such and He told me about this one particular place back then that they had to deliver to, and it was some place like downtown New York City or some place bizarre where it would almost seem improbable that you would be there with a tractor and a trailer but in order for the business to receive the deliveries that were uh, that have been ordered the semi trucks would have to pull in and uh, and pardon me here while I try to explain something but they would have to do something that is referred to as a blind side back and you can't back in on this side where you could just kind of open the door and navigate that thing in there right by yourself if need be but you got to do it from this side the blind side and how what a challenge that would be, and anybody here that's ever driven, it's a a real challenge, and so that is probably one of the most feared and revered maneuvers is a blind side back. It's very difficult because the name gives it away. It's the blind side. You can't see what's going on. It's not called blind side for nothing. However, Brother Wayne Townsend shared with me that at this particular business, that there was a man in the community that stood outside that business on the street and for a certain dollar amount, he would stand in front of you and he would just do his hands exactly as you needed to twist the wheel and he, Brother, Brother Towns, pretty sharp, huh? And Brother Townsend said that that man could back you in to the bullseye every time. He did it day in and day out, day in and day out, but the real challenge was this, that you gotta trust the man that knows what he's doing. You're trying to back in thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars worth of product. in a a very expensive vehicle and so you're gonna have to stand and just relinquish every fiber of your human being and say I'm gonna trust this and I'm gonna trust that and I gotta keep my eyes on his hand. Amen, I know you know where I'm going with this. This man was skilled. He knew exactly what to do. He did it with one driver after another day in and day out. Not only was he skilled to back drivers in but I think he was a pretty shrewd businessman myself. Myself. but I've got to be like David. I've got to learn how to keep my eyes on him and when I can't see where I'm going and every fiber of my being screams, you need to get out and see. You need to open the door. You need to roll down the window. You need to hit the brakes. No, no, no. I've got to be disciplined enough in my spirit to say I gotta watch the hand of God and when you are going where you've never been and when you're walking through a valley low amen we gotta keep our eye on the hand of God when we don't have the answer when we don't know the outcome when we don't know what the end result will be there is one thing I can do I know that God has his high servants like a maid has her eyes on her maiden and if God is watching me then all I've got to do is just keep my eye on his hand. i got to keep my eye Oh that natural bent That natural bent that is there inside all of us, we want to guide our own steps, make our own way. It's a universal battle. There's a streak of independence that's born in all of us. Long before our children really had the capacity to truly navigate without a mess, the spoon from the bowl to the mouth, they said, I got it. Even your sweet little old darling snatched their hands out of your hand. And they looked at you with as much disdain as they could muster up. I've got this. I've got this. And all of us at some point have probably to a degree given up and say, all right, well, just help yourself. And there was more soup on the floor than came in the can. I mean, there was more in the more on the table than was in the jar when you bought it, or so it seemed. But there's something in us that says, "I." Have this, and it's something we've been fighting all of our life. It's something we've been fighting since we were conscious that we were fighting it. But I tell you tonight that we've got to say, Lord, I'm just gonna resist the temptation to do this on my own. I'm gonna resist the temptation to sit up. I'm gonna resist the temptation to try to figure it all out. I'm just gonna keep my eyes on your hands. Jeremiah 10 and 23, though Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Oh, that kind of flies in our face, doesn't it? That's hard to digest, hard to process. It's not in us to guide and direct our way. As much as we would like to think that we have it all together, it's not true. Solomon weighs in on this as well. In Proverbs 3 and 6 he said in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. You know it's been said through the years and I'm I'm sure with some measure of accuracy that men by nature don't like to take directions. We don't like to read instructions. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I don't know why but I'm probably as guilty as the next person And and yet And yet we have devices that we don't even know who designed them. We don't know what kind of day they were having when they programmed it. But if that thing says turn left, we just turn left without question. And I found myself in more than one mess. Because I just trusted. One time my wife and I were riding down the interstate. We were riding down Interstate 4. We had a room reserved. I thought in my mind when I reserved the room that somewhere months before then we had stayed in that same hotel. I felt to a degree that I was sure or somewhat sure that we were going back to the same facility. But I didn't know and so it was in the afternoon we were rushing trying to take care of 17 different things and we're riding down the interstate and all of a sudden the voice said, get off of the next exit. I'm thinking, well, maybe we're not staying where I thought we were staying. So I turned to the left, go to the first traffic light, which was just, you could almost see it from that exit, and now turn right. I turned right, I said, well, I'm just in my mind, I'm thinking, eh, we're not going anywhere near where I thought we were gonna stay. So we're riding now parallel to interstate four and every now and then we go across an intersection. I'm looking over, we're going 45 miles an hour and I see people going 70 miles an hour. We're all going in the same direction. I'm thinking something about this just doesn't seem right. We rode for mile after mile, I'm not proud of this, but we rode for mile, <laughs> mile after mile after mile and finally we come to a traffic line that said turn right. So I turn right and said get on the interstate right here. If We rode miles. Miles, traffic light after traffic light, 35, 45 miles an hour. We got to see a lot of beautiful homes, got to see a lot of people and some horses and some dogs and some cats. That wasn't the point. We wound up going to the same hotel that I thought we were going to all along, but I was trusting the wrong voice. I just assumed that whoever knew what they were talking about and I turned when they said turn and we still made it to our destination but can I tell you it was a lot more involved and a lot more stressful and it took a lot more time it was not necessary a lot of the things we did were completely unnecessary can I tell you tonight that one wrong turn won't necessarily mean that it's gonna put you in the lake of fire. One wrong turn may not implode your family. One wrong turn may not ruin your career. But can I tell you tonight, it's not worth it to take our eyes off of the hand of the master, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to obey our impulses. It's not worth it to step out into something that just feels good for a moment or it seems like it makes sense. I gotta keep my eyes on the hand of God. Oh, I've just gotta keep my eyes on the hand of God. Hallelujah. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt's bondage, the Lord told them, Told them, I will lead you with a cloud by day and I will lead you with a, a pillar of fear by night. This meant they couldn't depend on the evening news. This meant they couldn't depend on whatever somebody come through the camp screaming and saying. This meant that they could not just depend on the whimsical feelings of their day. Amen, the Lord does it just directs our steps. But I heard somebody years ago, I wrote it down. I said, I want to remember this, that God doesn't just direct our steps, but sometimes even God directs our stops. He, he told Israel, I'm going to tell you when to go. When the clouds move and you move. When the cloud stops, you stop. And so sometimes God's in the business and we're going through a season of God saying, I'm ordering your steps. But I'm going to tell you, I've walked through seasons where God said, now I'm ordering your stops and you're standing still and people are passing you and you're standing still and it seems like life is going on without you and there's an impulse. There's an inclination to say, I need to get out and go. I need to do something. I've heard people say, let's get together and do something even if it's wrong. I know they're joking but I want to tell you tonight that it's not enough to just do something. When God has ordered me to stop, I've got to stop even when it doesn't make sense because i got to keep my eye on the hand hand of God, I've got to keep my eye on God's hand. Oh, yes I do, yes I do. My Lord, I feel like God is doing something in this place, in our hearts, in our minds, and I feel like God is doing something in our church, in our church body right now. Hallelujah. When the cloud moved, they moved. when the clouds stopped, they stopped, and I have to resist the urge of doing it my way. I've got to trust him. He knows what's best. I've got to trust him. His hand doesn't just lead us and God has direct us, but God's hand supplies my needs. He supplies your needs. You may think whoever you work for and whoever's signature was on your check, that's who supplied your need, but I'll tell you no. And I'll tell you a thousand times no. That that person, that signature and that company had nothing to do with nothing. It was the steps of a good man that were ordered of the Lord and God put us there and he said I will supply. And that's why Paul said to the Philippian church that my God shall us supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, and so God, hear me tonight, God will supply the wherewithal to carry out whatever it is he has directed you to do. God will not call you and not equip you. God will not call you and send you out empty-handed. God will not call you and shove you out into the cold. Amen, once someone once said to a traveling evangelist many decades ago, They said, with somewhat a smirk on their face and a snarl in their heart, they said, you must live just from hand to mouth, to which the evangelist said, you're right. But then he went on to say, but it's God's hand and my mouth. Amen, you must be living from hand to mouth. Yes, I am living from hand to mouth. But what you have failed to weigh in is it's God's hand. It's God's hand. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I feel something in my heart that is bold and courageous. I feel something in my spirit tonight that is like a lion. Amen. The world is looking at the church and they're shaking their head as though we are some whimsical and weak and anemic body. But can I tell you, amen, it is God's hand that is guiding Zion. It is God's hand that's holding and steering this ship. It is God's hand that is pressing us and pushing us forward. It is God's hand. Woo. Yes, 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 yes. When we walk in God's will, there will always be meal in the barrel. Amen. You Bible thumpers get that connection. When you walk in God's will, there will always be meal in the barrel. God didn't promise there'd be so much meal that he'd be pushing the lid off the barrel. God didn't say there will be so much meal, you're gonna have to sweep it up off the floor. He just said, when you need it, you pull that lid off and it will be there. Hallelujah. Throughout these blessed pages, we have watched God again and again and again. Amen. He, We've watched God feed prophets with ravens and with widows. He brought water out of a rock. He's brought manna down from heaven. Amen. It, 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 it's not that God can do something and make a way where there seems to be no way. I want to tell you that God can do something when there is no way. We worry over making a living and rightly so. It's a part of our culture and It's a part of our world. We want to make sure that we take care of our families, and we should. However, in the process of all that worry, we don't need to forget that on this earth, we have one thing to do and one thing only, and that is the will of God. What God has called me to do, that's what I got to get up and do every day. And if I do that every day, God has obligated himself Amen. I'm not not being too bold tonight, but I want to be bold and tell you that when we walk in God's will, he obligated himself to take care of us. Amen. So whatever it may be that you do to earn a living, can I tell you that God just gave you that provision in order for you to carry out his will on this earth. Wasn't So that we could scratch and claw and pull it all into ourselves. But God said, I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory. And I'm going to do that. He is working in our lives to supply so that we can work in His will. God will supply any need. I want to word this carefully. God will supply any need in our life that His will creates. Not every need that our will creates. Because if I could be honest with you tonight, I've got myself in a mess more than once I'm comfortable saying that because I'm in the company of everybody that's done the same thing my will has created some things that the Lord said well you just going to have to pull out of that <laughs> well, it was, we was having a lot more fun a while ago weren't we I mean i gonna go back to page 11 you was, you was, you was enjoying that better <laughs> And so if God's will creates a need in our life, he obligated himself to take care of that. That's why it's so important that we keep our eyes on God's hand. We can trust this book and we can trust the author of this book, but we can also trust the contributing authors of this book because they didn't write as they were moved on by the circumstances of their life or which way the wind was blowing, but they wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. However, this one thing we need to know, everyone that contributed to this book had their own personal testimonies and struggles even, successes and struggles of what God had done in their life. They weren't writing from some lofty pinnacle of some vacuum-enclosed, vacuum-sealed environment that was was completely pure. Some of them wrote from prison. Others wrote from great peril and pain. The psalmist David is one such man, and I realized I preached about him last Sunday, But his life was riddled with highs and lows. But listen to what he said in Psalms 34 and 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. He didn't just show up to watch. One writer says it best. He said we are immortal until our work is done. We are immortal until our work is done. If we are in his will, then God has obligated himself to keep us until that purpose is accomplished. And so if we are walking in his statutes and his will, we're not gonna die before our time. I know we say that about people. It seems like they die before their time. We say that about Stephen, other people. It seems like, I've said many times, in the zenith of his ministry, I know what I mean by that. Right. But at the apex of what God was doing in his life, he was gone. But God was done. Right. Right. Amen. <laughs> right. right. Amen. And if we believe there is a sweet by and by, he won. Right. Yes, sir. Right. He won. Yes. He won. Yes. Amen. Lord, God. That doesn't mean we won't have pain or experience heartache in our lives or disappointment doesn't mean we won't have seasons where our faith, everything from our faith or our finances are challenged, but it does mean that God has committed himself to keep us or preserve us, and so I've got to keep my eyes on his hands. The hand of the Lord doesn't just guide us, but but God's hand can direct us, it can feed us, it can reward us, help us, but there's also... You know, we can liken this, I, I suppose, obviously, to our own parents or people that have been responsible in rearing us because those hands that directed us also supplied our needs. But I can tell you that also those same hands that loved me and fed me also corrected me. <laughs> Amen. I, feel, I have a feeling face to get quiet again. I can sense these things. <laughs> not to paint my mother in a negative light at all, not at all. She was a wonderful mother, but I can remember more than one time of just being a kid and you know popping off in the mouth. And my mother's famous thing was lean up here and let me pop you. <laughs> Most cars, you—it's know, only about that far from the back seat to the front seat, but in those cases, it's quite a walk. Yeah, that's quite a lean because you know what you're leaning into. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, she meant it. So it was either lean up and let that happen in the privacy of our car, riding down the road at 70, or pull over the side of the interstate and the whole world see it. Because you see, the popping's going to happen. She was just giving me a, a, an opportunity to do it under the radar. same hand same hand that fed me the same hands that bathed me the same hands that cooked my meal the same hands that caressed and cuddled me the same voice that said I love you a minute said come here amen my dad got after me one time he was right I was wrong He said, if you want to talk like a man, I'll treat you like a man. And he did. And that happened, mm, (laughs) actually twice, the first and the last time, all rolled into one, all rolled into one, just a package deal. Same hand, same hand that held mine when I was afraid, same hand. He said, you're not going to do that, not here. You're going to take that somewhere else you know I've said this before and I say this with great respect to my mom and dad I was born, I mean I was respecting my brothers but I was born later in my mom and dad's life, they was already already over it by the time I come along (laughs) they had the t-shirts, the hats the trophies that's how I feel as the youngest sibling anyway you can send me a card later this week (laughs) But the writer of Hebrews says, whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth. I I didn't understand. This has been said hundreds of times by hundreds of speakers, but in in some of you who didn't understand when our parents said this is hurting me worse than it's hurting you. But I know now. I know now. But his correction is a mark of sonship. Because if we have no chastisement, we would most certainly not be his. By our very nature, humanity is wayward. There's just a waywardness in us. There's a drifting in us. And because of that, we need a correcting hand. So I go back to the life and times of David in Psalms 119, we were there Sunday. Before I was afflicted, in verse 67, he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I've kept your word. I've experienced a few things. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. When I was left to myself, I just did whatever I wanted to do. But I found out you can't do that and I've I've got to keep your word. In verse 71, he says this, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. I don't know wherever I first heard this saying, but it is so accurate that a lesson bought is a lesson taught. When something costs you something, when something gnaws into you, a lesson bought is a lesson taught. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. You see, the Lord also loves to bless his people. Amen. Parents, normal, balanced, parents want to bless their children they want to love them and honor them and they rejoice over their successes and they hurt over their losses the writer of Hebrews again eleven six, the Bible says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so this hand that says Come. This hand that says you can you can come on, you can do this. That hand that guides is the hand that feeds, the hand that corrects, the hand that loves, the hand that rewards. You gotta keep your eyes on God's hand. Watch God's hand. You see, man, man can't rightly, not really, man can't rightly appraise your life. We can give an assessment of what we think about someone, but we can only make that assessment about what we know about that person. So man, in his best effort, can't truly accurately appraise something. We appraise things with a, a, you know, a natural slant, a natural bent. If you're going to trade your vehicle, probably many of you go to something like NADA and and you appraise your vehicle and you're trying to get an idea of what you think the trade in value is worth. And I'm gonna tell you, unless it's missing three wheels, we probably call it things like excellent. (laughs) What kind of shapes are they? Great. Great. (laughs) I caught you red handed, you did not see that coming. No way you saw that coming. We grade to our favor. 267,000 pampered miles. <laughs> oh, my. So, man can't rightly appraise something. I'm going to resist, I'm just going to keep talking. (laughs) No one but God can accurately assess what someone else has given to his work or his cause. I'm not just talking about monetarily, but in time, effort, and energy. But God knows, he's keeping accurate records, and therefore we can't observe ourselves And we really even shouldn't observe the works of other people. Because we don't know. We don't know. Jesus proved that point at a simple offering where he stood and watched what people gave. And the lady that gave the least really gave the most. Because man can't assess and appraise. And so... I wanna learn how to go when he says go even if the direction seems strange and it's not mine to reason or argue but to simply wait on him and so in doing so we shall be directed and supplied and God will correct us and then God will give us what we need and I'm gonna conclude with this if you'd like to stand. Psalms 123 and three. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. You see, these scriptures contain sort of the sentiments of most hearts. A servant does nothing, a servant earns nothing, and a servant counts for nothing without the support and the hand of its master. And I opened, and I opened tonight by saying, that the servant's responsibility was to watch the hand of the master. That was their culture. Not listen for the voice, not wait for the email, the instructions, the pamphlet, but to watch the hands of the master. He's got to rely on the master for mercy and it's in that mercy that he finds everything that they need there's an old song that's blessed generations of people that simply says this turn your eyes upon Jesus. I love this line. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. When we look when we look at him. I, I close with this. I it's been Many many years ago. Now, my wife and I used to enjoy, and our son was young. We talked about this a little bit, but through the years, and some recently, but we enjoy going to a little auction over in Gainesville. And just no, no longer there outside of Gainesville on four forty one. Certain days, other week they sold hogs and goats, and so one day we were sitting there and we noticed when we drove up there were some beautiful semi trucks I mean just oh man they were to die for and um, we noticed a name of course on those cattle trailers and stock trailers the name on the trailer the names on the door was Delgado, Delgado thank you and so we were sitting there just kind of taking in the sights and sounds you know, I hate to talk about stories like this because it kind of gets envy rising up in people. Think about that we had a goat auction and stuff like that. I'm, I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm bragging. <laughs> give me, give me some space here. So there was a a man sitting about a couple blank rows in front of us, and a man just alone. Uh, a man by himself sitting there and um, if, if he hadn't been sitting in front of us it would have been no reason to even notice him but he was sitting there and uh, we noticed that uh, well Delgado's man they were slaying them. I mean, They were buying everything coming through the ring you know and um, when it was all over we went back in the back to pick up whatever we had bought We saw those big, nice semi-trailers backing in. And standing there was the man that had been sitting in front of us, Mr. Delgado himself. (laughs) Hang on, wow, that was pretty cool. This guy bought semi-loads of hogs sitting right here. We didn't even see no fanfare, no nothing. But an auctioneer was watching his hand (laughs) <laughs> now, I was consulting with our dear brother, Daryl Townsend, during our song service. I'm sorry, but this illustration just came to me when I walked in the side door of the church or I would have hammered this out. And so there, in some cases, the auctioneer is gonna get a percentage of what's being sold. So it's incumbent. You need in this case, you better watch Mr. Delgado. Me and him are gonna go home better off today. And so don't let what's going on in the arena, don't let what's going on around you. You need to focus in on where it really matters. Because see, we were sitting just a couple rows up. I promise you, they didn't even know we were there. What <laughs> we brought home and didn't even compare. It would have been okay if they missed my little wave, my little gesture, but there's some important people here. There's some people that's gonna put some bread on the table. I better pay attention. I better keep my eye. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in this tonight. I'm telling you, I feel like God gave me this today. Amen, I'm not preaching something I heard somewhere else. I'm not preaching something I found online. Amen, I'm telling you, God is speaking something to my heart tonight for this church and he's speaking something for me. I'm going to keep my hand. i got to watch God's hand. Let me watch God's hand. Let's respond somehow to the word of the Lord. Lord, I love you today.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way. And we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic